started, if you would, grab your Bibles. Genesis chapter 5 is where we are. Genesis chapter 5 for the morning. And uh, great missions conference, if you missed it. Um, some of you had some really good excuses. So we'll let it slide. Noah and Lauren are here with us this morning, the newlyweds back from their uh, honeymoon trip, so praise the Lord, they're back in safely, uh, and Genesis 5 is where we are this morning, talking about Enoch, and so we'll pick up verse number uh, uh, verse number 21, and Enoch lived 60 and 5 years and begat Methuselah, and Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years, and Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. Uh, and so that is the ultimately Genesis's synopsis of the life of Enoch. And uh, of course, Enoch is the only type. He is it. He is the one and only man uh, who is a type of the church at the rapture. Nobody. He is. He is the only one in the Bible that will not die. Uh, he, he is it. And uh, he is a great example of who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to live. And so once again, uh, I'll give you a little background here and then we'll, we'll jump right into the lesson. But uh, you're approximately somewhere around 622 years uh, since, Adam, uh, since Adam's fall, at least, if not the creation. Uh, Enoch is the seventh from Adam. And uh, so you think about it just for a moment. And if you're looking at the days that Adam lived he would have known Enoch. He would have been alive uh, at the same time, and which is why I find it very amazing. Uh, you've got Adam who lives, and as he's, as he's looking at the lives of all these people after him, he realizes that the only reason they suffer anything is because of him. Uh, that is a sad reality uh, that I think many, many don't, don't really think about when they think of the life of Adam. And he gets out to Enoch, though, here, and uh, Adam is still alive for him. Uh, and Enoch, of course, his testimony is that he walks with God uh, and that he is one who is willing to be a preacher of righteousness. You find that out in the book of Jude uh, and goes ahead and preaches to a world uh, and rebukes them of the judgment that is going to come. And so we'll talk about Enoch this morning. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll get right in. Father, we thank you for the day and thank you once again for bringing us here safely. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would uh, strengthen and encourage people this day. Father, we pray that you would bless the services. Lord, that you'd be with pastor as he preaches this morning. Father, I pray we'd be able to have the baptismal service this evening. Lord, that you'd hold the weather back and people could be here. And Lord, we pray you'd uh, once again just bless, be with our faith promise missions giving. Lord, that you would uh, just give us the increase, Father, and, and you'd help us to be able to trust you and increase our faith this year. Lord, once again, we pray you'd bless the day, be with all our Sunday school teachers, myself included, Lord, that you'd help us to say everything just the way that you want it said, that Jesus Christ would be honored and glorified. We pray you'd come back soon in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen. Amen. So here we are with Enoch, and, uh, and Enoch, uh, here in Genesis chapter 5, you get to verse 24, and Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. Uh, well, number one about him is that he walked with God. Um, there isn't really a whole lot of detail concerning what's going on, uh, but 
we do understand one thing. He has doing something that mankind had not done since the Garden of Eden. Uh, there's nowhere in between where anybody has said that they had walked with God. Uh, Adam is walking with God, and uh, the Bible says that the voice of God walked with him in the cool of the evening. The Lord shows up, and Adam, of course, hides uh, after the fall. But up until that point, it was commonplace that, uh, of course, mankind was supposed to walk with God. They were supposed to have that relationship, that personal walk uh, with God and the personal relationship with God. Enoch is the only one uh, in the Old Testament uh, since Adam uh, to go ahead and have that statement made about him, that he walked with God. Uh, he lives on the earth for 365 years. That's uh, interesting enough with how many days we have in a normal year and so on, but uh, it's a pretty good deal. Uh, it reminds us of a few things. Uh, Enoch walked with God in this life, uh, and he was not, for God took him. A uh, great picture out to the church. The church is supposed to walk with God. Uh, we're supposed to walk with him. First uh, John chapter 1, of course, right? We walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. Uh, we walk with him. We walk and we spend our time with him. Uh, and then ultimately, the rapture of the church happens. We're not here. Uh, he was not, for God took him. Uh, that is the end result of the church, uh, is that a trumpet sounds and you and I leave. Uh, and, of course, we leave, uh, and there's plenty of verses on our rapture. I won't go to all of those, uh, but, of course, you got 1 Thessalonians 4. Uh, you got 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, and over and over again we can go, and you and I leave. Uh, and the idea is... We're walking together here with the Lord, and the Lord says, okay, well, it's time to come up here and walk with me. Uh, I've been walking down there long enough with you. How about you come up here and walk with me at my house? Uh, we'll, go, we'll take this back to my place. That's, that's what that is. Hey, let's just keep walking. We'll just walk over, and we'll go to my house, and it'll be a lot better up there. And that's the way that it goes for Enoch, and that's the way it'll go for us. Uh, interesting note. Uh, well, I'll get to that in a minute. I'm going to hold that one. Um, once again, uh, here he is, and so, of course, we all know, and these are pretty basic things right now, uh, but three things, uh, ultimately, that have to take place for you and I when we, we uh, want to have our walk with the Lord. So let's go ahead and turn to a few places. Look over at uh, uh, John chapter 3. John chapter 3. In order for you and I to have a walk with God... I think probably everyone in here of age, anyway, since I see Elijah's hanging out with Carla. Uh, John chapter 3, Jesus, in verse number 3, says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Uh, you must have a conversion. Uh, if you aren't saved, if you're not born again, if you don't have Jesus Christ as your Savior, there is no relationship with God. The restoration of the relationship between mankind and their walk with God in, in the Garden of Eden uh, and what Enoch had and now what you and I have is there must be a conversion. There must be something changed uh, inside, from the inside out, a new birth, and you and I get a spiritual birth and we get a conversion. Uh, not only that, look over at Matthew We'll go Matthew chapter 16. We'll keep it right here in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 16. 
And I'm just going to hit a few of these uh, quickly, but uh, you need to be converted. You need to be, uh, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him take, uh, deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The answer is you, you, you must be committed. Uh, not only do you need a conversion, you need a commitment. Uh, if you're not committed, you don't, you don't walk with him. Uh, we already know it in 1 John chapter 1, you have to have in order to have fellowship, can two walk together in Amos? He says, can two walk together except they be agreed? Well, if you're not committed, deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. There's a commitment there. That it's not just, well, I got saved, so obviously I have a good relationship with God. Well, no, there's a commitment that has to take place. There's a reasonable sacrifice that shows up. Uh, there's, there's some things that you and I need to understand that we have to give up in order to have a walk with him. There's a sacrifice that goes along with having a relationship with God. Uh, we understand that. And it's our choice whether or not we do it. We become as close to Jesus Christ as we want to be. He asks us what, we, what we'll give up, and our answer is yes or no. And over and over again, people find out that Jesus Christ is supposed to be preeminent. And when we leave anything in the middle, we don't have a good walk. When he points something out that's in the way that's keeping you from being close to him and walking with him, it's your choice whether you want it out of the way or not so you can keep walking. Well, there's a commitment. It's the choice that I'm going to go ahead and keep doing what he asked me to do so that we can keep walking together. Because as soon as you disagree, you're not walking together anymore. It's just how it works. Look over at uh, uh, 1 John chapter 1. I referenced it a few times here, but 1 John chapter 1. You need to be converted, you need to be committed, and you need to be convinced. Uh, look over at 1 John chapter 1 and verse uh, 6. He says, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light of season and the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Uh, we need to be convinced that that walk is actually happening, that that fellowship is actually there. That when we do wrong, we've stepped out of fellowship. We need to be convinced of that. Because oftentimes, you know what we have? Uh, we have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And the Bible says in Timothy that we should, from such, turn away. We're supposed to walk away from that. Uh, we're, we have a form of godliness, but we don't have the power of God anywhere near us. Because it just looks good on the outside. We act like I'm in fellowship, but we're not really in fellowship. And you and I both know when we're not in fellowship, we just try to deny that we're out of fellowship so that we can keep doing what we wanted to do and act like we still have fellowship with them. Well, then we're lying and we're not doing the truth. We have no good fellowship at that point. And instead, you need to confess it, forsake it, and get back in fellowship. And it's that it's simple. It sounds really simple, but it's true. Uh, and in order to have that walk, uh, in order to walk with God means you have to have certain things that are happening in your life that are part of that walk. Uh, and I won't, I'm certain I'm not going to cover everything on this, uh, but look over at Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. 
there are certain things. Uh, you got to be you got to be converted, you got to be committed, and you've got to be convinced that you're you're doing the right thing. And uh, in order to understand whether or not you are, that walk has to have certain aspects that are met. Uh, and so in Romans chapter 13, there are certain attributes of our walk that have to match up. And he says in verse number 13, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and not, make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Uh, first thing on the list is walk honestly. Boy, don't we have a problem with that in this world right now. Uh, nobody wants to be honest. It's always a spin to make everything look better for you. Uh, there's no honesty. Uh, you realize that Jacob, when he gets his name changed to Israel, the first time he got asked, hey, what's your name? Well, he said Esau. <laughs> Lies to his father. He's not honest. You know, in order for him to get the blessing that God wanted to give him, God asked him a question. <laughs> what's your name? You know what he had to do? He had to fess up to who he was. You want a good walk with God? Lord, I, I messed that up. I am this. This is who I am. Outside of you, this is it. This is what I do because I'm, you know, I'm an angry man. I'm, I'm a furious man. I'm a liar. I'm a cheat. I'm a thief. I'm a whatever it is. And Lord, that's me. That's who I am. Jacob, I'm a supplanter. I'm a deceiver. <laughs> What's your name? I'm Jacob. I've been lying and deceiving and cheating my whole life. There it is. The Lord says, okay, I'll change your name. <laughs> I'll make a change. Uh, gets honest with God. You know what he gets? He gets the blessings of God. Uh, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I want to walk with the Lord. Well, if you're not honest, you're not going to walk with him. Uh, Galatians chapter 5. Hit a few of these. Galatians chapter 5. Verse number 16, this I say then, you know the spot. Galatians 5, 16, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, then you got to walk in the spirit. You got to figure out when, when the Holy Spirit's leading and when your flesh wants to run the show. And you got you to choose. Our entire life is a, is a set of choices. Uh, we, make, we make literally billions of choices in our lifetime. From something as simple as what you wore this morning, what route you took to come here, what you ate for breakfast or didn't eat at all, what you're going to do after you leave here, whether or not you're going to decide what the preacher said is going to matter to you or not, all those, we're making decisions constantly, all day, every day. And most of them we make without a thought. There's no real thought, no real care. We reach in, we grabbed whatever tie we grabbed, you know, we reach in, we did this, we just, we, that's what we did. Okay, why? Because it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but we ought to be conscious of our walk and whether or not we're in the Spirit or not. Now, does the Holy Spirit necessarily care what tie I grabbed this morning? Probably not, all right? That's not like a deal breaker right there. He wasn't like, well, you better put that one on because if you don't, But you understand, as we go about, sometimes you take one route. We've had this happen. I'm sure most of you have had this happen, right? You're taking a route, you're driving, and the Holy Spirit tells you to go ahead and make a stop, and you weren't going to do that yet, but you're going you're to change your route for the moment. Then you find out something bad happened on the route you would have been on. 
he slows you down or speeds you up, and you go, well, praise the Lord, kept me out of that. Uh, Why? Because I listened to him. You're trying to walk in the Spirit. Uh, You understand when the openings happen and you can be a witness and a testimony for Jesus Christ. You understand when you can give a word fitly spoken that are like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. And all those, you get to figure out where you can be a blessing and where you can be a help. And the decisions you make and the choices you make are His choices. Well, that keeps you walking right. That keeps you walking with the Lord. I'll look over to Ephesians chapter 5. I definitely am not going to get all these in, so I'm going to I'm going to hit this one and the next one, and then I'm going to I'm going to move on. But uh, get good basis though these next two, so I want to get these in. Ephesians chapter five and verse number one, he says, "Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us and hath given Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor." He says, "Walk in love, uh, walk in love." Uh, charity suffereth long and is kind. You get to Corinthians and it's that chapter, chapter 13, and he's, he's reminding us again that uh, ultimately it's charity, it's love. Uh, we're supposed to be honest so we have the truth, but we're all supposed to walk in love. And we balance those two. The truth, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord men depart from evil. Uh, we understand that we have the truth, but to do it in love, speaking the truth in love. The goal is to try and help somebody. The commandment is to love one another, even as God for Christ's sake. Uh, it's over and over again that love is incorporated, and love, the, the charismatics get into this thing where love overpowers everything else. Well, he's a God of love, and so he's loving, so he can't bring any judgment. Well, no, if you're loving, you have to bring judgment. You don't, otherwise it becomes riotous men. And that doesn't work either. Love keeps someone from doing the wrong thing and tells them that they're doing the wrong thing. Otherwise you're a poor parent if you don't tell your kid they're doing the wrong thing. That's poor parenting. Uh, that's anarchy. That's, that's giving in and letting, letting them run and do whatever it is they want to do. Well, isn't it, isn't it great that the Lord doesn't, tell you, doesn't say, well, you're good, just do whatever it is you want to do? That's what you did before you got saved. Your life was a wreck. Your life is a wreck when you do things your way. Over and over, we know that. And you say, what stops us? The Lord stops us. And if we're walking with Him, it keeps us out of the trouble because we're walking in love and the Lord loves us and He gave Himself for us and we're supposed to love somebody else that that same way and be able to do something. And you know what He does? He doesn't let you do whatever it is you want to do. Whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth. And scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you're walking in love, you ought to do good to people, but at the same time, you also need to be able to speak the truth in love. That's all part of it. Uh, Chapter 5 here, Ephesians chapter 5, look at verse 15. We're right here. He says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Walk circumspectly, that means pay attention. Looking around, paying attention. Paying attention to what? To pay attention to do opportunities where the Lord will give you for using the Spirit of God to be able to minister to somebody, to be honest, to be able to walk in love and speak in love and do all the... You're looking around. Why are you walking circumspectly? 
Well, for one, because you have an adversary of the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. But notice the context has nothing to do with that. The context is not about the devil showing up and you and I. That's not anywhere in the passage. The passage is walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise. Why? Redeeming the time. Well, that's looking around to see opportunities you have to do what God asked you to do. You're looking around and the context, keep reading, is being filled with the Spirit of God. Well, we're supposed to walk in the Spirit so that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh and we're supposed to redeem the time because the days are evil. We're supposed to walk back, looking back in the passage, we're supposed to walk as children of light. We're supposed to be fruitful. We're supposed to do what's acceptable on the Lord. We're supposed to have fellowship with the Lord. That's all walking circumspectly. That covers a whole lot. And Enoch walked with God. Don't suppose he was probably doing all those things. Well, if he's walking with the Lord, he probably was. Look over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I'll keep going. Hebrews chapter 11. Enoch shows up, of course, in chapter 11, the, the hall of faith. And verse number 5, by faith Enoch was translated, that he should not see death, and was not found, because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony, that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Uh, not only did Enoch walk with God, but he pleased God. So he was, he was bringing pleasure to God. Enoch pleased God, that was his testimony. Uh, in order to please God, you've got to meet some requirements. And number one on the list is without faith, it is impossible. You must have faith. You have to have belief. Uh, you must believe that He is, number one, that God does exist. It's pretty simple for most of us. Uh, the Lord made it pretty simple that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth His handiwork. That's not really hard to figure out that there is a God. Most people in the world understand that there's a God, but they also have to understand that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. That God would be willing to reward you and I for actually seeking Him. That we would actually gain by looking for God. Well, isn't that what happens to us? Uh, it happened to Cornelius. That's a pretty good example. He's looking for God. He's doing everything he's supposed to do. He has no idea who Jesus is. He's following the Jews' religion. He's doing all sorts of things as a Gentile. And the Lord sends him Peter. He's seeking the Lord, and the Lord says, Don't worry, I'll find you. If you're looking for me, I'll find you. And that's the way it works. And he shows up, and he goes ahead and rewards him. I think he got a pretty good reward since he got salvation for all of eternity. I think that was a pretty good reward for Cornelius. Uh, if that's not enough, I don't know what else he can give you. But forgiveness of all of your sins, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good deal. It's uh, kind of how it is. Um, but once again, that's his testimony. His testimony is that he would believe God. He trusted God. He had faith. Uh, it is natural 
to want to go ahead and please those that you love. Well then, we love him because he first loved us. He makes it natural for us to fall in love and lean on and have faith in because we know he understands what's best for us. Our faith is in him for our salvation, but our faith is in him, supposed to be in him from day to day. The just shall live by faith. And we walk and we trust and we want to trust him. And if we don't, we understand that we won't grow. Our faith in him is based upon the fact that he loves us. It's secured in the word of God, knowing that he loves us and he gave it, he gave everything for us. That love that he had for us proves that we can trust him with everything we have. If we can trust him for salvation, we ought to be able to trust him with the rest. And we struggle with that. As humans, we struggle with that idea. We struggle with the idea that he could be in control of everything in our lives because we like control. We just, we just like it. And I understand and we understand that we're looking at God and God, we can't see him, uh, but we want to please him. But sometimes we'd rather please us. <laughs> we, we just, we would. Boy, I just would really like that today and I'm going to do that because that's what I like. The Lord says, I don't want you to do that. And we go, yeah, but I like it. And today I want to please me. And that happens to us. And we need to understand that's not the way he wants it. And he'll forgive it. But when we do that, we stop walking. We lose our fellowship, right? We lose that walk with the Lord. Uh, Enoch had the testimony that he pleased God. That the choices he made were pleasing. God was happy with him. Now, Enoch was translated. Now, amazingly enough, and I'm going to slide this in here just because I like it. Uh, you can go ahead and look at the word translation or translated throughout the entirety of the Bible. It only shows up in a few places. And every place, it exchanges a lesser for a better. Say, so what is that a reference to? Your Bible. These guys that go back to the Greek and the Hebrew and do all these things, the translation is always better. There's not one spot in the Bible where, where it's not true. Uh, I'll just use Enoch as an example. I'll, uh, well, I'll give you one of the other ones. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't write the reference down. David becomes king. And it says that the kingdom was translated from Saul to David. That's the word it uses. It was translated. To David. Now you tell me, who is a better king? Saul or David? If you don't know the answer to that, you might want to reread, uh, you know, just a little bit there in the Old Testament, kind of check out what Saul did and what David did. You say, well, David wasn't perfect. I know he wasn't. The Lord knows he wasn't. But he also was better than Saul was. You get here, uh, which, which is better, walking here on the face of the earth with God or being translated and put into heaven for all of eternity and walking with God face to face? Well, I'm thinking option two is better. Uh, maybe you're strange and you don't understand that, uh, but that's, that's just the truth. And over, uh, it's used a third time, and I'm trying to remember uh, what the second one or what the third one was off the top of my head. Um, but all three of them, well, this one's, 
repeatedly in the same verse, but uh, the three different verses that use it, all three of them are, are worse to better every time, every time. Uh, and so I won't get too much farther into that, uh, but you can have confidence in your Bible. Feel free. Uh, but he was taken. He was translated. He was taken from one, one set into another. He had to be changed. You and I understand we have to be changed. Uh, you get to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. He says that we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Uh, we have to be changed. If we don't get changed, you and I can't exist there. Uh, we are in a temporal body. We are not in an eternal body. Instead, when he translates us, he puts us in the eternal body and we're made fashioned like onto his glorious body. He moves us from one existence ultimately to the other, from this life into an eternal life, from our temporal life to the spiritual eternal life. That's what we gain. We gain that, and that happens, and uh, that is also ultimately a translation for us. And it can happen any time. He did not have to die for that translation to happen. He doesn't. He doesn't taste death. He doesn't die. You and I, if a trumpet sounds today, you and I do not taste of death. We don't, we don't die. We escape a judgment of death in this life. That's a judgment. That's part of it. If you don't believe me, you can read Romans. And we're condemned. <laughs> and you lose out in this life. And you may lose some rewards in the next if you don't do it well. But either way, uh, we skip out on, it's appointed on the man once to die. <laughs> we skip that appointment and go right into a judgment. And I'm all right with that. He can sound a trumpet. We can all go home. And none of us will have to drive home in the snow. All right? Uh, just shoot on out. Uh, and that is exactly what happened to Enoch. He is the only type. He is it. He is the only type in the entirety of the scriptures who will never die. Uh, Enoch is the only one to go up and not come back to die later. Uh, Elijah is the, is the one who's gone up and hasn't died. But he's going to die in the tribulation. That's what will happen to him. Uh, he'll come back, and if you don't, uh, don't believe me, you can ask Pastor Legault. Uh, he'll answer all those questions because I'm sure you're going to hear that all through the morning service. So you can ask him that one on the two witnesses. He'll go ahead and fill you in that Enoch is not one of them and show you all the verses for it. Uh, look over at uh, the book of Jude. The book of Jude. We'll get the last place Enoch shows up here. And i gotta, I got to move along so I can get the last of this in. But uh, the book of Jude, I tell you what chapter, but there's only one. So... Jude, and we'll look down uh, at verse number 14 here. Jude 14, uh, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Whew. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty rough there, Enoch. <laughs> He's a preacher of righteousness right before a flood. He's not long before the flood. 
His son Methuselah is born. When he's dead, it shall be sent. And the flood shows up. I got barely, barely just one one life. I know Methuselah is the longest guy, but still, that's only, that's it. And with how long people lived, they heard the preaching of, they heard the preaching of Enoch that were there at the flood. Many of them had heard it. They knew who he was. They searched for him. They couldn't find him. They know who he is. And he preached. Enoch faced uh, the same problems, of course, that is running around in the book of Jude, which is what he's calling ungodliness, false teachers, polluted, destruction of sin, all showing up throughout the book of Jude, and he's making reference back to Enoch. And Enoch, when he was alive, he had a separated life, walking with the Lord, and it was easy for him to see the falsehoods of man. You know, it's a whole lot easier to see somebody else's faults, but it's even easier when you're walking right with the Lord and the Lord starts showing you things. You ever notice somebody and you go, something's not right with them. I don't know what it is, but something's not right. And if you were to start talking to them, you'd probably figure it out. Say, what is that? That's a little bit of the spirit. That's discernment. You want to have that. But he's walking around, you know what it is? He's preaching them. His walk with God made it so that his talk was right. He was preaching. He was showing the difference between the ungodly and the godly. And he wasn't giving them a gray area to walk around in. You read that list? You read that list? That is not, that's not a nice list. That was not good words and fair speeches deceiving the hearts of the simple. That was him going ahead and preaching. And he does he does exactly what he's supposed to. He preaches and he gives them the truth and he does what he's supposed to do in an ungodly day. In an ungodly day, that's what he did. Uh, Enoch shows us that it is possible to walk with God in an ungodly day. That's well, you know, it's just so bad out there. I don't know how people can live right. And I don't know how, you know, uh, I am not one to say, well, uh, uh, your teenagers, your kids, my kids, uh, if the Lord tarries, they go up against more things than you and I had to deal with. Sin, and not, and not that it wasn't out there for us, it's that the world has made it so much easier to access than it was for us. You know, if you wanted to, if you wanted to go and see something dirty, you had to go, you had to go and buy it. <laughs> Someone had to watch you do it in the shame. And there should have been a level of shame that goes along with it. But not anymore. Now you can get it anywhere. You, you, you can get it on accident. <laughs> you don't even have to look for it. Before it used to be, you wanted to go gamble, you'd have to go, you had to go down to the Go down to the casinos, you had to go down and do this, you had to go ahead and, and, and now every gas station buy a scratch-off lottery ticket or you can hop on your phone and play whatever you want to do. You can do whatever you want. The things that were shameful don't look so shameful anymore. And the kids now are living in a world where their access, the accessibility for them is so easy. Now, I don't think that it's worse, I just think that it's easier. 
It's the same sin. It's just more accessible to them. It's easier to get to. And that's obvious. But the truth is, that doesn't mean that they can't stand in an ungodly day. They can still walk with God in an ungodly day. That is not an excuse for them to fail. There's still no excuse for us to fail. Well, you know, it just wasn't as bad for... Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Sin is sin. And whatever, whatever the sin is of the day is the sin that's going to be there regardless. You don't get an exemption because it was harder for you. Because it's really not. It boils down to the same exact thing. Am I going to do right or am I not going to do right? That's all it is. Say, Well, you know, the accessibility doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Because ultimately, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. If you choose to follow Jesus Christ, you don't have to fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's the choice of whether I'm going to walk in the Spirit and walk with Him, or I'm not. And our sin does not get excused just because it was easier for us to get to it. Sin has always been easy to get to. It's always been easy to get to. It's just certain sins that are easier to get to now. But all sin's easy to get to. So how do you know that? Because it's already in your heart. It's already there. It's easy to get to. Lying and stealing and cheating and doing this, and do, that was all already accessible for you. Pride is an automatic accessibility. There's certain sin that you and I, growing up, when we were all younger, it wasn't as accessible. But we still had plenty of sin. We still did more than our share. And you know what the Lord says? There's still no excuse for it. Whether it's accessible or not accessible, or however it is, whatever it is, guess what? It's sin and it's ungodly. And our ungodly deeds which we have ungodly commit, you know what that is? That separates you from your walk with God. You know why Enoch had to point it out? He had to point it out because if he pointed it out, then he wouldn't go that way. Hey, that's ungodly, and that's ungodly, and that's ungodly, and that's ungodly, so I'm not going to do it. Why do people stay quiet about certain things? I'll tell you why. Because they don't want to shine any light on it because then they might get some light on some things they don't want light on. That's kind of rough. I know. You want to walk with God? It'll cost you something. You want a relationship with Him? It'll cost you something. It's up to you how close you walk. It's up to you how your fellowship is. Enoch prophesies. He's a prophet. And he's writing some three, or he's talking 300 or 3,000 years before Christ shows up. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, his prophecy still hadn't come true all the way yet. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. You know, there's more prophecies of the second advent of Jesus Christ than there is of the first. Him being born in a manger and. Bethlehem and what he's going to do and even all the way out to the sacrifices and the judgments and 
all the things of the crucifixion. Uh, you can pile all those up and you know what you won't get? You won't get anywhere near what he talks about with his second advent and him coming back and ruling and reigning and coming in judgment. It's not even close. The second advent of Jesus Christ, the second time he steps foot on the face of this earth, is talked about more than any other subject in the Bible. It is his day. It is the day when the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. That's the day. And it's that day that he always talks about, and it's that day that he keeps referencing, and it's the second advent of Jesus Christ that is talked about more, and, Jew, and uh, Enoch was talking about it in his day. You talk, you talk about having a plan. 3,000 years before Jesus shows up, which makes it 5,000 years before you and I are sitting here, he's talking about a day that still has at least seven years, probably, before it's ever going to come. He's still talking about it. Hey, there's a day that's coming where the Lord is going to come and 10,000 of his saints are going to join him and they're going to come down and he is going to execute judgment. Whoa. When's that? Revelation 19. Still waiting. But it's still coming. Now, uh, i got to hurry up and wrap this up. Uh, you and I, we walk with God just like Enoch. We're supposed to be walking with God. We're going to get taken out of the rapture. We're supposed to please God until we get there. And you and I are also supposed to prophesy until we get there. That's part of our office. So what are we prophesying? Well, you're in Jude, so just flip back a, like two pages maybe. First John chapter 5, right? Two, maybe three pages if you got a lot. However your Bible's set up, I'd say two. First John chapter 5, you know the spot, verse number 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Well, the greatest, the greatest prophecy you and I have is, I can tell you where you're going to go when you die. If Jesus Christ is your Savior, I know where you're going. If He's your Savior, you're going to heaven for all of eternity. Isn't that a prophecy? It hadn't happened yet. We, we understand, hey... Uh, if you trust Christ, you're going to heaven. That's being a witness. Well, it's also a prophecy. You also have a prophecy in, in John chapter 3 and verse 18 that you and I talk about. That he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. The men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil and so on all the way down. The wrath of God abideth on him. End of the chapter. So what are you prophesying? That without Jesus Christ, it'll be an eternity in a lake of fire. We can tell the end of everybody's life on this planet right now. After we die, you have a destination, and it's going to be one of those two, and I can tell you exactly how to know whether you're going to heaven or you're not. That's prophecy. Say, so what are you trying to convince them of? Of their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed. Isn't that what you're trying to convince them of? That they're ungodly? That they're a sinner? That they need a Savior? Because Jesus is coming? <laughs> and He is going to judge the world? And He is going to bring judgment? And if you don't go up with us at a rapture, you, and our, you are going to be in trouble? 
That's what we preach. We preach the salvation of everybody on the planet if they'd come to Jesus Christ. Whosoever will, let him come. Take a drink of the water of life freely. We preach, hey, he that is a thirst, let him come. Whoever wants it. Go ahead, you can have salvation. But if you don't take salvation, you're condemned for all of eternity. There is no escape. You can tell the fate of everybody on the planet. Where they'll spend all of eternity, you can tell them. And we're supposed to. Because if we walk with God, it should affect what we tell others. When we walk with God, not only is our doing changed, what we do, our attitude, our walk, outward, how we present ourselves, not only does that change, but what we say ought to change. It ought to match the walk we have. Honestly, justly, in love, filled with the Spirit, walking with Him, and then our speech ought to go ahead and follow along. Because when they don't match, what happens? The world goes, what kind of hypocrite are you? You're just as bad as I am. Why do I need your God? Why do I need Jesus as my Savior? The walk and the talk always have to match. And they always have to be one that would be well-pleasing unto God. Enoch did. And when he got up, I don't think he was ashamed when he stood before his God. Too many Christians are going to be ashamed because they didn't have a good walk with their God. Let's go ahead and close it up. Father, I thank you for the day. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercies and your compassions upon us. And we pray, Father, that you would bless the day. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would hold the snow back, keep everybody safe traveling around today. Lord, to and from church, I pray we'd be able to have the services this evening. Lord, we pray that Jesus Christ would be high and lifted up this day. Help us to remember our walk, Father, the days especially. Lord, we're in an evil day. I pray you'd help us to separate ourselves from the ungodly and walk, pleasing our Savior. And once again, we pray you would bless the services, be with pastor, strengthen and help him, give him wisdom as he preaches this morning, and give us ears to hear and hearts that are willing to do what you ask us to do. Once again, we pray you'd come back soon in Jesus' name. Amen.